One Week Season. One Week Season fam, La Familia, welcome back. It's Mike Johnson, DFS FanDuel Labs Week 9. We are coming to you on a shorter slate. We had week, uh, week 9 buys for the 49ers, Lions, and Jaguars, some premium teams. We've got the uh, Chiefs playing the Dolphins in Germany on Sunday morning. So uh, definitely a unique slate in that a lot of the players that usually you're going to want to play and that are going to uh, have the high-scoring offenses are not available to us. So uh, a lot to dive into, a lot of theory, uh, especially on FanDuel, where we know we talk about every week how important touchdowns are. So um, with the associated game totals being lower, uh, the teams involved uh, not being as many of the teams that we expect uh, to score several touchdowns in a given week, uh, definitely uh, creates some unique situations and have to kind of strategize our way to the top of the leaderboard. So with that said, going to bring in my esteemed colleague, Maximus. Welcome back. How are we doing today? Doing awesome, man. Thanks for having me back. Uh, I think both of us had a pretty good week this uh, past week and talking uh, earlier. Mm-hmm. And uh, definitely looks like a polar opposite slate this week with uh, 10 games, only three late window games. However, uh, and the team will probably be covering here momentarily, I may be eating some game environment chalk as a result uh, this week. Yeah, I mean, it's – and we'll get to it. Obviously, you're talking about the Dallas and Philly game, which, um, you know, going to be very popular. But, yeah, there's there's a lot to to dive into. You said you did pretty well this last week. What – did you have sweats or were you just kind of in the money sitting doing well throughout? I feel like I'm a cash game pro, but I don't play cash games. I play tournaments. I've been a model of consistency this year, which I'm thankful for, of course. It's better than losing. But it's just, uh, yeah, another solid week. I had three out of my five teams in the tournament that we cover here on FanDuel every week uh, make the money line. My best team finished 13th uh, this week. And uh, so it's just outside the top 10. But through eight weeks, I've had a, a seventh, an eighth, a 13th, and a 15th. So Top one to five percent, four out of eight weeks, and I've, and again another week where three of five teams placed. I also play some other contests sprinkled in, but this is the main one that we we like to focus on here every week. So yeah, knock knock knocking, and uh, hopefully it's just a matter of time. Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, I had um, and I shared it with you. Um, had a couple sweats on FanDuel this week myself in uh, uh, in their Sunday Millie tournament. Um, had two lineups finish in the top 25, finished 12th and 25th. Uh, it's like 171,000 entries. So it's amazing. Gets like crazy with the uh, the swings towards the end there. I had one lineup that was, um, it only had Gus Edwards left in the afternoon games. Um, and obviously he did really well. Um, I had another lineup I could see because you could see the minutes remaining and I could see. Um, kind of early in the afternoon games that uh, I had a lineup sitting good with a lot of minutes left. Uh, and that lineup had, it was about 40 points back and it had, um, it also had Gus Edwards, but then it had uh, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, George Kittle and Javante Williams. Um, so 
they ended up uh, very close. The one that just had Gus in the afternoon ended up um, staying ahead by like a point and a half. Um, but it was kind of, it's one of those things where uh, we, when we talk about like late swap and that sort of thing, and we've covered this in the past, like um, sometimes whether you're live or not, uh, depending on who you have left and who the people around you have left. So like, um, it was too late to do anything about it. And I wouldn't have changed off Gus anyways, based on who else was available. But um, there was there was two play people. I think I was in like ninth or 10th place um, before even Gus started scoring his touchdowns. But there was um, at least one person ahead of me who had him as well. So like I was drawn dead for first place with that lineup. The other one was live. Um Basically, I, I needed that one. I would have needed at the end the uh, when the Broncos got the ball and then kind of stalled out after the Chiefs turned it over on downs. I needed Javante to get in um, on those runs he had. It's actually his last two runs. He lost like negative four yards and negative five yards or something, and that cost me like fifteen hundred dollars or something. <laughs> uh, but. <clears throat> Yeah, so um, needed him to score. And then if the CMC touchdown at the end for the Niners, if that had been Kittle, um, if those two things had happened, I think I would have finished like fourth or fifth. Um, but yeah, you know, giving myself shots at it. So that's all you can really ask. I mean, your process is sound to have that, you know, I'm talking about a field of five, six hundred. Where you know, Mike's talking about a field of hundreds of thousands of entries. And the, to be in contention in general, you know, you you know, you're doing a lot of the right things. On a side note, with last week, can somebody explain to me what happened to Jonathan Taylor in the second half of that game? I think he got hurt. Is that what it is? Because I was watching his last his, his last carry the first half, if you go back and watch the broadcast, like when he comes back to the huddle, he kind of is like hobbling and he's got like, you know when you're like trying to walk something off and then you, you kind of like hop? So he's back in the huddle and then all of a sudden like he looks to the sideline and then he runs off and Moss comes in. I think it was like a two-minute drill and like they just like played it out. But then in the second half, he had, I think, one carry. Um, and I mean, he he... I think he practiced. He wasn't on the injury report yesterday, but um, I don't know. I mean, that's the only explanation that makes any sense to me. I mean, he he had 11 carries for 94 yards. Um, it is unbelievable. I mean, my my guess is he had that he had the ankle issue all off season. He had surgery on it. Um, that's kind of what derailed his season last year. My guess is he tweaked it or whatever they tried to, they taped it at halftime, you know, they gave him a run, but they just paid him 45 million in Moss. They don't, they, you know, I mean, yeah. you don't drive your Ferrari to the grocery store, right? So. Well, a couple of my teams would have, if JT just would have done anything in the second half, I had three teams that placed but I'm the one that finished the best. I don't think had JT, but the other two did. And I, you know, Pollard was a bust. I should have went with my instinct and just go against the chalk there. But uh, we we have talked about eating running back chalk this year has been kind of viable and then differentiate in other areas. But, yeah, I, I was just curious because I did not get a chance to watch that game. But I was 
I was like, the bottom fell out. Okay, that that explains a little bit better. So, I, I I mean, I don't know that for sure. And like I said, he's not on the report, but just like, I mean, makes sense. Putting the putting the things together, like how do you, you know it was a competitive game? Exactly. The dude is, you know, the dude is going nuts in the first half, and you just stop playing him. It's a competitive. It's got to be an injury. Um, it's funny too. You bring up Pollard because there's. I saw a couple of people like speculating, like they wonder if there's like a under some underlying health thing he's like battling, like something that doesn't keep him out, like the type of thing where all of a sudden in January or February you get a report like, oh, Tony Pollard underwent some, some uh, successful ankle surgery or you know an arthro, you know a knee scope or something like a cleanup where. He's fine to play, but he's not totally himself. That there's been a couple people speculating that could be the case. I don't necessarily think so, but I mean, it's the NFL. What these dudes go through, it's you know. You would have thought the Cowboys would have brought somebody else in, maybe like a veteran, like a Fournette type or something. Um, if that were the case, I, I happen to think maybe just Kellen Moore was able to scheme Pollard better within their offense than than you know. Than McCarthy currently, but so I think that I think more is I think the bigger issue is how Pollard was used. Like everybody always wanted Pollard to be used more, but he's being used more now. But a lot of the ways he's being used are like between the tackles, like he'd probably be better on. 16 to 20 touches with like six or seven of those being targets and most of the runs being outside runs. Like he's probably, he'd probably be better if they had brought Zeke back and they just gave Zeke 12 meaningless carries a game. And maybe it'd be frustrating that Zeke would steal some goal line stuff or whatever, but like, um, you know, it would, it would be, It'd be an interesting, to, kind of to your point, like how he's being used. And I think it's just, it's a function as much of the personnel as like McCarthy kind of being a donkey sometimes. But he changed this week. I mean, you know, they opened it up. They threw, I did the edge right up for that game. And um, their first drive, they called pass play on 10 of their 11 snaps. Um, went down the field and scored and then, they were still pretty pass heavy uh, throughout the first half until they were up like 33 to three. So, um, you know, maybe they came out of the bye and they changed things up, um, you know, so maybe brighter days ahead for him. He's going to have a monster game when people least expect it at some point this year. I don't believe that to be this week. And I think w- with what you just described is a good segue into the team that yeah, I was just gonna say this. Uh, this plays well. We can go ahead and pull up your team, and there we have it. So you've got the Dak Prescott, C.D. Lamb, Jake Ferguson, the uh, Dallas double stack there with DeAndre Swift as a bringback. Why don't you um, share with the people just a reminder? This contest that we build for every week. It's the 30K Sunday NFL touchdown. It's a five-entry max tournament, $65 per entry, uh, $4,000 up top for first place. 
131 places are paid, which is 25% of the field. That's a great payout structure, uh, very sustainable for your bankroll. Um, just a really good all-around tournament. Um, so just a reminder, that's what we're building for. And I wanted you to, why don't you start us off, share with me or with the, the viewers what you shared with me before we uh, came on stream uh, regarding the results of this tournament throughout the year. Yeah, I kind of went back and looked at just first place teams through uh, eight weeks now. And it was interesting to see that every first place team, with the exception of one week, was a quarterback double stack and a bring back, uh, which I know we've kind of talked about maybe not having as much of the need for the bring back uh, on certain weeks. But in terms of this contest, it, it seems to still be viable. Ironically, the only week that it wasn't that uh, setup was uh, the week where the number one guy, he had two, uh, not with Tyreek, single stacked with Waddle, and then he had two bringbacks in Chuba Hubbard and Thielen. That was when the Panthers played the Dolphins. So other than that week where that was a single stack quarterback with receiver and two bringbacks, every other week in me kind of going back earlier this week and just I always like to do that and you know JM talks about that quite a bit historically you want to go over contests you want to see what first place teams are looking like and uh and my teams uh have been following suit to that structure for the most part which is more of a kind of a classic structure I guess but it, it, in, in terms of small field on FanDuel uh, clearly with uh, me looking back at these results it, it seems that that, uh, that quarterback core shell would bring back is still very viable this season. Um, and then with this team, I do have Dak Prescott with C.D. Lamb and Jake Ferguson with a DeAndre Swift run back. Uh, you can run on the Cowboys. You can pass on the Eagles. It's kind of that simple. Uh, Dak is coming off two consecutive top three finishes. The Eagles have allowed the seventh most adjusted fantasy points per dropback to oppose uh, opposing quarterbacks. And I actually feel that the 46 and a half, I think is the point spread right now. I really instinctually feel this game has the potential to go over for once. And it's so many bad points, uh, so many low point spreads this week. And so that obviously is going to be the game of the week. Obviously a lot of people, it's going to be popular. A lot of people are going to be building for it, but this is where you have to either build a unique way in the same game or differentiate yourself somewhere else so in saying that we have Bijan robinson we're all still waiting for the ceiling game from him uh no better week than maybe this week for that to happen they're at home they're playing minnesota without kirk cousins i think maybe atlanta has the game script to get back to their foundation which is running the ball and then Bijan obviously is capable of, of catching the ball as well uh then i have a skinny stack of Zay Flowers for the Ravens and Tyler Lockett for the Seahawks. Uh, Lockett did pop up with a hamstring situation, but I, I think it was the same thing as last week, and he wound up playing. So obviously you want to monitor that. Tyler Lockett got the second highest target share uh, for him this season at 25%. He actually had eight receptions last week. I think this is another game where it's hard to run on Baltimore, and I think Geno is going to have to be slinging it and maybe in catch-up mode uh, with what the Ravens are capable of doing. Uh, then we have Chris Olavi in that flex spot. Now, on this particular team, 
I'm a little bit torn on the options at Flex here based on the price. You could definitely go a lobby. However, at that same price, you could go Nico Collins or you could go Amari Cooper. And I love both of those as well. So I'm kind of torn which of those three to ultimately put in the flex there. But maybe you can make the case of if you're happy with the rest of this team, just make three teams and have one of them in, in the flex spot on, on three different teams, maybe. And then, but for now, it's Olavi. And he's another player we're waiting for the ceiling on. Uh, I think players like Olavi and Bijan, they're just too talented to not break through for that ceiling at some point. And hopefully that'll depress ownership a little bit if you're playing these players in larger field. Here it doesn't matter as much, of course. And then I have the Patriots defense uh, playing my heritage team, the Washington Commanders. Uh, you know, we know the deal with Washington. The offense is looking great when they play the Eagles. <laughs> but in this case, they'll be on the road, turnover prone, sack prone, playing Belichick defense at 3,700. It's on the cheaper side of a defense that is capable of a of taking advantage of Hal from time to time in that uh, game. So that is the initial team. However, I do have a twist. Um, if you were to take Tyler Lockett, Chris Olavi, and DeAndre Swift out, move Swift to the flex, which is he's a four o'clock game too, so it makes sense from that perspective. The wide receiver spot, you put Tank Dell, who I think is in a really good game environment this week against the Bucks, And then you can get up to Jonathan Taylor as that second running back, who I know we just talked about the, the possible injury woes, but man, Carolina this week, it's just eating time potentially for Jonathan Taylor if, big caveat, he's actually healthy. And like Mike said, they're not uh, keeping the Porsche in the garage. But, but um. So that, that would be a way to kind of keep your core, keep your quarterback, bring back core, and then differentiate other ways, especially in the context of making five teams or three teams for your three to five entry max uh, uh, teams. Oh, by the way, one real quick thing on Tank Dell. I did watch last week's game on that. He didn't have a good week, but they're starting to use him in gadget form. And... He ran a route on 92% of C.J. Stroud's dropbacks. So, and there's no Robert Woods. Again, he is out for sure this week. So Tank Dell, another at 5,800. Great spot there to get up to somebody like Jonathan Taylor. I throw it back to you. Nice. Yeah, I think a, a lot of good points there. Um, a lot of, uh, yeah, a, a lot of good thought processes. Um, you know, just giving my feedback, things that kind of stand out to me and kind of building off of um, kind of some of our other discussions we've had already. Uh, you know, one of the things that stands out is like you talked about with this game kind of popping off, kind of separating itself so much, like how things appear. Um, you know, the change, the first thing that I see is like, I would probably move away from Lockett um, and try to get Devontae Smith in there um, and just kind of really lean in. Like if you're going to lean into that. Um, so it's one of those things like you talked about, this is kind of going to be the chalk game environment, right? So I think that pretty much like that is, that's a pretty clear, I don't think that 
that's going to be shocking to anyone. But to your point, there's going to be kind of two ways that people play that. They're either going to play uh, Dak or Hertz, so the quarterback with similar to how you have that built, and it'll be different ways. Um, a lot of times it'll be like Hertz and AJ Brown, or AJ Brown will be the bring back just because he's been so on fire. Um, but basically, like the barbell approach, like the sometimes people just do like a mini, like maybe they just do Swift and Lamb and go with other quarterbacks, or if they play the quarterback, it'll be a double with the bring back, will be kind of like the way people lean into it. I think if you like take one step further into that like leaning into that game like if you're leaning into that game really lean into it um like if Dak you know if at their price points Dak uh CD Lamb 17k combined you had Ferguson that's 22k you know that's that's a lot of salary um to be you know that's well over a third of your salary um tied up just into those three players I think they can do very well, but like then you're thinking about what's the script where they do that well. I think it would be really shocking, and I did the edge right up for this game. Um, so the Cowboys, their their differential on for home games is like insane. I don't remember it offhand, um, but I think they're like they're averaging. Um, I'll actually, I'll pull it up cause I want to, it's like, it's a staggering difference. Their home and away splits. Uh, I will say while you're looking at it, is, there's three, three, against the Eagles, but go ahead. Yeah. Three and oh, in home games, um, with a point differential of plus 78, uh, in their road games, they're two and two, uh, and a minus one point differential. And that's despite the fact that they, they lost by 40 points or they, they beat the giants by 40 on opening night. So they're actually minus 41 in their last three road games. Now, obviously there's context to things and I'm not saying, I think that they're just totally going to get dusted, but where I'm going with it is I don't think that they're going to run away with the game. Um, so if this stack is hitting, the Eagles are going to be also scoring a lot of points. Now, Deandre Swift, I do think, um, JM's been kind of hammering the point home, how well Swift has been doing on a pre-touchdown basis. Um, like his, his scoring average before touchdowns, if you removed all touchdowns from all the players, um, how he ranks relative to all the other players, very high. I don't know the exact numbers, but he's producing at a high level. The touchdowns just haven't really been there. Now, I do think at some point he's going to score some touchdowns. But that being said, we have kind of a large sample of he's not he's not the guy who gets a huge percentage of the touchdowns. So it's really unlikely the Eagles score three touchdowns and he has two of them, if that makes sense. If he scores two touchdowns all of a sudden and it's pushing the Cowboys, the Eagles probably scored four or five. So that's where I'm going with the, the Devontae thing is let's really lean into um, that the Eagles are going to score four or five. And I think that those two are kind of, um, you know, I also, Scott Barrett, I don't, do you, uh, do you know who Scott Barrett is at all? I do. Yeah. On, from fantasy points. 
he tweets out some really useful stats sometimes. Um, this week I saw him tweet out uh, just like the yards per route run uh, for Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. And Devontae Smith's is far higher against uh, defenses that play two high safety looks. Um, and A.J. Brown's is much higher against teams that play one single high safety looks. And the Cowboys play um, primarily two high safeties. So, you know, schematically it sets up well for Smith. Uh, Price-wise, you know, it, it kind of fits here. And it just fits that whole build where, like, I think there will be, like, it's, you're leaning even further into, like, this is going to be the game that separates itself. So that's just um, my initial thing. And then, I mean, you can go however you want about it. Um, you'd end up having to find a different $100. But that was the biggest thing that stood out to me when I was looking at this lineup. Well, I like your point on digging into the game. Some people will call it overstacking, which is very viable, especially in small field. So I definitely like that point. My only retort with Swift would be, and I watched closely Hertz last week, Clearly, there's something bothering Hertz as far as his rushing goes. Because maybe it's the brace. Maybe they're just, you know, not really talking about similar to the Jonathan Taylor situation. But definitely Hertz was not running like he typically would. And I think maybe that, if that's still kind of trending that way, that's where Swift may be getting even more used uh, than he already is. That was kind of my thought on on that. Hertz yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that thought for sure. And I, I totally concur. I brought that up also in my edge right up. He had, it was his season low in rush attempts and rush yards. Um, I think he had four rush attempts for six yards and his previous low for the season was, I think nine rush attempts or eight rush attempts. So it was um, a pretty staggering difference and it was a competitive game. You know, they were tied going into the fourth quarter. So um you know, he, he still threw the ball well and, and performed um, fine in that regard. But uh, there's clearly something there's I don't it's either he's not I don't know that he maybe he's not capable of it or it's as much just him and the team being like, let's just be smart about this. We got a week 10 by, you know, let's cut back the running for a couple weeks here. Um, so, yeah, I think that there's a lot to be said there. And that kind of goes, you know, even further into um, why I would, I think like making that adjustment would make sense because the thing with the Eagles, it's always tough sometimes to stack with them is because Hertz can run, right? And because they do, you know, he'll steal the touchdowns, all of a sudden you can have a stack where it's like, yeah, I stacked it or I, I, you know, I used, I played the right game, but then, you know, he sucked up so much of the production that these other guys, like not enough of them failed or not enough of them got there. And I think that, you know, you look at who's likely to benefit. Well, one, if he's running less, it's going to be Swift is probably going to touch it more. Swift is probably going to get more chances to score, like you said. Um, and then, he's going to throw it more too, because, you know, they're taking away, you know, five or six runs a game that they might've designed for him or be scrambles where now maybe, you know, he finds a receiver to throw it to, or they, they call a pass play instead of, uh, you know, on those RPOs, instead of him keeping it, um, you know, he hits a quick slant or something. So uh, again, that's 
all those skill players on Philly are priced in a way. All the non-AJ Brown skill players, I should say, they're priced in a way th that centers around the Philadelphia offense um, having a lot of that production sucked up by Hertz. Um, and so guys like Swift, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, they all their touchdown expectation and their likelihood of hitting like a ceiling game is is significantly higher on a week like this, in my opinion. And like I said, they have the week 10 by sometimes things like that. We've talked about it in the past. Um, kind of my one of my bigger edges, I think, is like being able to put myself in a coach's mind because of my coaching background. And yes, this is a huge game. And I think when push comes to shove, if it's close in the fourth, like Hertz will take off if he has to, they'll do the tush push if they need it. Um, but they have a week 10 by, and ultimately their goal is not to beat the Cowboys in week nine. Ultimately their goal is to, um, to go to the Super Bowl. So yeah, I think that, I think he's going to have that, um, that similar approach that he had last week. And for guys like Smith, Swift and Goddard, that just totally, um, totally raises their projection in a way that the algorithm isn't going to adjust for the pricing algorithm. I agree. And I love the other thing I love about your Devonte Smith switch out. He joins the list of a couple of other players on this roster that are just so talented and have not hit ceilings yet, like Bijan and Olavi. These are players where recency bias can work in our favor with maybe not as if you're in a larger field, especially with people not owning them as much because they don't see the results already. And then, but you know what they're capable of. So, you know, in, in spots where it's good game environments or good setups, you need to keep playing these players. I mean, unless it gets to the point where, you, you know, you find out something where it's just beyond reproach. They're just not going to produce the way you expected. But uh, that's the other thing I like about Devontae. And rest assured, especially on this week, there's so much uncertainty at the quarterback spot, guys. In a tournament like this, you definitely want to always consider Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts. And they also go with Mike, Mike Spandul, of course, as the dual threat quarterbacks, their confidence. They're already rolling. They know what their identity is this year. And this is a week I think you could really take advantage of that when I think a lot of people may dip really low in the price range to get studs, the, the scrubs and stub, uh, scrubs and studs type deal. Because there's so many quarterbacks that are, you know, like for Minnesota and for LA and some other teams where I think because of the price, it's going to be so enticing for people to potentially go down to that to beef up their team. But stay with the stay with the basics, in my opinion. And your Lamars, your Hurts, Dak in this case, you know, established offenses that are just growing, you know, in a better way. The stock is going up uh, as we go along in the season. So that's just another kind of thought or comment to the way I think a lot of people may be looking to uh, to make teams this week, especially in the smaller field. You know, stick with your guns is what I'm saying. And some of these other players, you know, the ceiling could be just around the corner. So, yeah. And the other thing with this lineup is the, um, yeah, I, I think you're dead on with sticking with your guns. I also think um, some of those guys who Olave, Bijan, um, Devante, who, you know, high draft profile guys, like coming into the season, they were drafted really early, have kind of been frustrating. Like I played a ton of Olave last week. And, um, you know, I didn't see the play when it happened, but I, 
I saw it on Monday, the one where it hit his, hit him in the face mask, and it would have been like a 40-yard touchdown. Um, that was something. Uh, but, yeah, the, I mean, those types of guys, like, they're super talented. It hasn't come together for them. But, you know, it's it's going to at some point, um, uh, you know, bar an injury. They're not guys who, like, they just don't have it anymore. Really, they're not even guys who, like, their offenses aren't doing well. Um, you know, Devontae and Olave, both their offenses are doing well. Bijan's has been a little up and down, but I think, I mean, it, he's just such, like, a, a freak talent. Um, he makes a ton of sense. The other thing with this lineup, because of the pricing, um, like, so Pollard, he's down to 6,600. Um, just because of his perception and, and what the expectations were for him. And that's like such a startling price point. You know, he's right now he's projecting and I think it's probably accurate to be like over 30% owned. Um, yeah. And, um, because Dak, you know, so much of DFS is like psychology and, um, the price like CD lamb went up a thousand from 7,800 to 8,800. Um, primarily because he had his like a career best game, but also I think a lot of that has to do with the slate as a whole, like the other options, how they've priced things. They priced him up a bunch. Dak went up like almost a thousand bucks. Um, he's at 8,200. So their prices went up so much that, um, you know, they're actually not going to be as, as high. They might be higher in small field, but, um, they're not going to be like crazy chalk. So, you know, the way most people are going to play this game is actually going to be probably through Pollard uh, because of the perception of him. And um, and then A.J. Brown and Hertz are probably each going to be um, two of the higher owned uh, quarterback and receivers. So I think that's a really cool thing about this lineup that you built. You built this lineup in a way that you really liked and players and the game environment you liked. And I don't think that your purpose there was like, oh, I'm trying to leverage or I'm going to get this guy at low ownership. Am I correct in that assumption? Oh yeah. The whole Pollard thing is you just don't run on the Eagles. I just don't, I don't, I just don't see it this week with Pollard. But yeah. Right. So, and that's, we've talked about this, like, and because there's been some weeks where you put your lineup up there and there's like you've got a few guys that end up like they're projecting to be really highly owned. Um, so I think that it's really cool how. On on for either way, like you built a lineup that you really liked players that you felt good about. And then on the back end, you can look at it and say, oh, wow, that's cool. Like I have leverage off. Pollard because I have, you know, the Cowboys passing game, which is going to be lower owned. I think the mistake a lot of people make is they try to find the leverage spot and they force it in there instead of being like, oh, this is a really good play. I'm going to play it. It's also got some leverage, you know, if that makes sense. I think that uh, a lot of times people get too cute with like worrying about ownership first. Um, and that's something we've talked about. Oh, yeah. I haven't even no my process. I never look at ownership until like probably Saturday night. That's just how I am. Uh, although that would be if I did find out. You're you're kind of like fast tracking what my thoughts may be later in the week when I see that Pollard is that owned. 
then it then it also has the cap it has the added bonus of being leveraged but yeah right now i'm just in terms of just digging into the numbers and the game environment and how both offenses like to operate and what the weakness of their opponent is to attack and yeah i'm basing it more on that in, in this case so well, there you have it. I think I think this is this is the week you break through. <laughs> I hope so. I think we just cracked. Like with there. five teams, it's it, it's less FOMO, if you will. But there's not even a FOMO thing this week. I mean, it, in my opinion, it's pretty clear cut. Now, I will say Derek Carr is interesting to me this week. My only problem is, will, would the Bears be able to do enough for the Saints to kind of employ their full assault with uh, between Kamara and Shahid and and uh, Alavi, uh, Derek Carr's at a nice price point on FanDuel. He would be maybe somebody I would consider, but I'm mo- mostly going with the confidence and the dual threat and the game environments, and uh, you know we'll see how it plays out. Makes sense, absolutely. All right, well uh, that will do it for us this week. Again, Week Nine FanDuel Labs. I'm M Johnson eighty six. He is Maximus. Find us on Twitter. Find us on Discord. Uh, Check out that FanDuel tournament. Um, Let's fill it up quick so that they make it even bigger next week, Uh, but not too big because we we love the structure. Uh, But, yeah, hit us up in the comments. Hit us up on Discord and Twitter. We will look forward to seeing you guys next week. Best of luck, and we will see you at the top of the leaderboards. One-week season.